Hello and welcome to Tarot Bites. I'm Teresa Reed, the Tarot Lady. I'm the author of the Tarot Coloring Book and the co-author of Tarot for Troubled Times. I'm also your host for this podcast series. This is episode 166 of Tarot Bites, the podcast where I dish out short, entertaining, bite-sized lessons on how to read tarot. And for today's episode, our topic is Scary Minor Arcana Cards. And my special guest is Meg Jones-Wall of 3AM Tarot. Hi, Meg. Hi, Teresa. How are you? I'm well. How are you surviving this current climate? Speaking of scary things. I know, truly. I am surviving. I'm doing all right. Thank you. (laughs) And you know, sometimes we just have to do that. We just have to find a way to navigate times that are uncertain or scary. And I think tarot often reflects those times and situations in our life where things sometimes feel really um, uncertain or murky or difficult. And, you know, most people, when they think of the so-called scary tarot cards, the first thing that comes to mind is always the devil and the death card. You know, these major, (laughs) yeah, the major arcanas is like, oh my God, I got that tower. No. (laughs) They're so big and they're so layered and they just feel monumental and transformational in a way that I think people, I think it makes sense that people would focus right on those big, huge moments, right? Yeah, I mean, I I totally get that. And and they are the cards, you know, anytime you see in popular culture, like movies, you know, like Mr. James Bond, you got the death <laughs> card, you know. So the, the majors always seem to get the attention around that. But, you know, behind the scenes, you and I have mentioned uh, some of these minor cards can be a little bit scary, too. So let's talk about some of the minors that people have issues with. Which ones come to mind for you? I mean, for me, at least in my readings and working with clients, I think the ones that immediately spring to mind are is pretty much the entire suit of swords. I feel swords can be can be really tricky for people because I think they bring up a lot of um, the narratives that we tell ourselves and our our relationships with truth and um, and I think it those cards tend to expose things that we aren't always as excited to examine both within ourselves and in our relationships and our jobs and our, in our challenging situations. Um, it, it forces us to confront some difficult things sometimes. Yeah. And you know, the swords cards are never pleasant looking cards. Uh, I'm one of those weirdos <laughs> that I like the swords, except the five swords, which we'll get to that card. Yeah. But when people are getting a lot of the swords cards, what what is some of the advice you give to people? What are some of the ways they could work with these cards? Can you can you give me a couple of examples? Sure. Um, I mean, I love the swords too. I actually have a three of swords tattoo, so I, I love the swords. I think um, I think they really push us to examine things in a more clear way. But I think if we if we don't see the swords as a suit that is personally coming after us, um, I think that can help a little bit. You know, I think we tend to see it um, in kind of a passive way, where these swords are chasing us, or you know, betrayals are coming out of the woodwork, and we're just kind of this victim that's trapped in the middle, surrounded by swords. You know, that very eight of swords kind of imagery. Um, but I think when we kind of turn that narrative around and we imagine ourselves actually grabbing the blades and and taking some control and some power back, taking control of that narrative, I think it can really shift um, how we're able to use that power and clarity that swords can provide in a way that actually works for us and empowers us instead of ruining us or, or making it feel like we're just being cut up into little pieces. Right on. And you know, swords, like any tool can be used for good. Like they yep. can cut a good steak into nice little bite-sized pieces, yep. but they can also be used for harm. So what you're saying here is ultimately it's going to depend on 
not like looking at these swords as, oh my God, something happened to me, but you know, how are we going to take that sword and use it to do something good? Exactly. So, you know, I mentioned that the five of swords is, I will say the five of swords is probably my most hated card in the deck. Really? Okay. Oh, when I see that card, I get like, that's the one card I can see the tower big deal. Mm -hmm. And so ironically, this, this conversation, I was very interested in talking about this topic with you because the one card I hate the most is a minor. It's not one of the majors. This is the one that always makes my hair stand up and I get aggravated. I get agita from it. So what would be your advice for the five of swords? What would you tell someone like me who's got some types of feelings about this card? Well, you know, I think, I think, you know, we often see this card as, um, as, as a reminder to be aware of the inner voices that we're, we're repeating, you know, the truths that we're repeating to ourselves, the things that we, um, are kind of fixating on within ourselves. You know, I, 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 I've talked already a little bit about the narratives that we hold on to, but, um, I think the five of swords can provide a few different pathways or, or methods of resolution. I think it can encourage us to be more open-minded and willing to explore, um, ideas in different ways instead of just continuing to to kind of keep hammering away in the same method against that one problem. Um, I think at least for me, when the five of swords comes up, um, it really reminds me like, okay, I have just been focusing on this conflict and trying so hard to achieve something that I may have just completely lost the plot and lost track of what I'm even fighting for. Um, and so I think it's usually a reminder to me to, to kind of take a step back, take a breath, <laughs> um, and remember what I'm actually working towards and see if it's even something that still resonates with me, if it's something I actually want or if it's something I'm willing to walk away from. Well, one of the interpretations that I've always had for the Five of Swords, so let's talk about breaking up a story, right, mm-hmm. is about deception. Mm-hmm. And I'm one of those people that anything around dishonesty, if I sense it, I get really freaked out. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I see this card, you know, right away, I think of the victory through deceit. And that's why I have an issue with this card. So what would you say to me? Talk me down from this. <laughs> oh God, from that's this. a lot of pressure, Teresa. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I guess, I guess one thing that I would say is, um, you know, I've, I do a lot of work connecting uh, tarot and especially in the minors to the majors in terms of numerology. And so when I think about the five, specifically the five of swords, you know, I always think about the hierophant, which is, you know, I know we're not really talking majors right now, but um, when we think about the hierophant, it's, it's all about bridging these worlds, but it also talks a lot about limits and boundaries. And so I think when we think about um, how how we might feel that we've been deceived or how we might feel like someone else has won through deceitful means, we can kind of step back and, and ask what they've actually won. You know, it, it might be for us that we're really fixated on what we've lost. Um, but I think in those cases, it's it's not necessarily a matter of what we've lost, but but kind of reframing it in a way that we're seeing what world they think they're in. Um, I'm sorry, I'm kind of lost the plot of what I'm saying here. <laughs> oh no, I totally um, get what you're saying here. Okay, <laughs> um, I think I think when we when we can kind of step back, you know, thinking again about the hierophant, if we're thinking about being in one world in particular and this victory being in a world, we can kind of look at it through another layer. Um, and see where we might have twisted our logic or obscured our truth um, and and have gotten so narrow on this one plane or this one world that we're actually mixing the bigger picture. 
I love that. And you know, the fives, let's talk about the fives for a second, because the fives are also... Fives are general. hard. I think fives are really hard. Yeah. I mean, they are not happy cards when we look at the five mm-hmm. of pentacles, when we look at the five of cups, the five of swords. I mean, the five of wands isn't that big a deal, but it's still got an issue of conflict. How do we deal with these fives? I like this idea of the hierophant. Um, you know, how do we apply that to all of these fives? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, 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 again, this numerology thing, I'm, I've been really into it lately because I think tying those cards together and seeing them in groupings can be really useful, both in terms of just blanketly understanding the cards, but also um, kind of helping us resolve them and, and turn that energy into something that's more useful. Um, you know, fives to me always feel kind of unstable. Um, which I, you know, the Hierophant for me is, is a, can be a really tricky card. I was raised in a very conservative religious environment and I'm queer. And so there was a lot that I needed to unpack with this card specifically. Um, but I think when we think about what we're leaving behind and what we're striving for and kind of the internal conflict between those two things, between past and present and future, um, I think it can help us kind of I don't know, just take a deep breath, get grounded again, and kind of remember where we actually are and what we're working towards. I think it's easy for a lot of us to get stuck in this place where we keep revisiting what's behind us, whether it's good or bad or anything in between. Um, And the Hierophant kind of gives us a space to live in that uncomfortable in between, um, but be able to kind of leave the past in the past and then move forward with a clean slate, you know, into that, into that lovely six energy where we're finding some freedom and, and movement and more celebration. Mm -hmm. I love that. You know, I grew up in a very um, religious household, also very Catholic. Um, And so oftentimes when I would see the Hierophant, I had an issue with the Hierophant. That was a very card, card. (laughs) but I love the idea of working with this numerology to find guidance for these cards. Um, that's really smart. So let's, let's look at another one. You know, the nine of swords, I think is a card that people don't dig because the guy's in bed, he's looking stressed out, you know, it is a card of worry and anxiety. So if we use your method, the hermit then would be the major that would match up with this. How would you use that combo as a way to work with this card? I mean, I think and the nine of swords is, is one of my most difficult cards. I'm a really severe insomniac. And, um, <laughs> I think for me, this card kind of brings out, you know, those challenges of, of feeling really alone and, and feeling scared and out of control. Um, but when we tie in the hermit and the lessons of the hermit, the hermit might be alone, but it's more intentional. You know, there's, there's power behind it and there's focus behind it. And there's real intention behind that desire to be solitary for a time and really reflect inward. Um, and with the nine of swords, you know, that's a little bit twisted, you know, we're, we're, we're again diving into this issue of, of complicated narratives. We're letting fear take over. We're, we're surrendering to those darkest tendencies and really getting tangled in the anxiety and, and, um, struggles that we feel really internally. Um, but I think the hermit offers us that wisdom of how much have we isolated? Why have we isolated? And is that something that's still serving us or is it something that we need to backtrack? You know, when I see the nine of swords, I often am reminded of, you know, the community that I have and the tools that I have in place, um, you know, therapy and friends and partnerships and, um, and work and different things that I have that can reconnect me with other people. Um, and so it, it asks me to kind of reconsider how isolated I am and where I might need to turn to people that I trust to help me see truth in a more clear, 
way from a more um, authentic perspective. I love that. You know, what's interesting now that I'm looking at the nine of swords, because I have it in front of me. When you look at the nine of swords, the figure's uh, posture is similar to the hermits. Mm -hmm. They're both bent over. The difference is the nine of swords is covering his face. He's in the dark. And the hermit, that figure, well, they're, you know, still bent over, but they are, their face is open and they're holding up a light. There's a light that's shining in the darkness. So I find their postures being similar uh, a little bit fascinating. Yeah. I mean, the hermit feels very intentional and very strong and very making this decision to um, spend some time in solitude, really reflecting and exploring all of those internal pathways and choices. Whereas the nine of swords, you know, it, it, it doesn't feel nearly as intentional. It, it feels like, like a result of something or like a fear, um, it really isolating and, um, and really just trapped in these negative um, thought patterns and cycles. So I think contrasting the two, we, we immediately see the lesson. We immediately mm-hmm. get some practical advice on how we can break ourselves out of that nine of swords, light up that lamp and start moving in a more intentional way. You know, there's another card too that I think sometimes scares people when they see it. And that's the four of swords. Oh, sure. Oh my God. I have had so many times where people see that and they kind of like let out a little eek because they assume that it means, oh my God, someone's going to (laughs) die. Have you ever had that? Four of swords. No, I haven't had that. But I also think it's, it's a card that I really, really love. So that's really interesting to hear that. Um, yeah, I I see the four of swords as as beautiful permission to set some much needed boundaries um, and to really take a step back from um, from the truths that we've been wrestling with and and remember to protect ourselves and our minds from things that might be attempting to trip us up or mm-hmm. um, or force us to see things in a way that doesn't feel um, genuine to us that doesn't resonate within us. Right on. And, you know, I don't mind the Four of Swords either. I mean, people get really scared when they see it. But the Four of Swords, to me, is such a card of contemplation. And I love contemplation. I love meditation. I love being alone and in quiet places. So I've never seen that particularly as a scary card. So the thing that this leads me to then, why do you think that we all have such different ideas on which which cards are scary and which ones aren't? (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I think it has a lot to do with um, with who we are and, and where we've come from. And I also think that the way, you know, the way that those cards can hit sometimes, you know, a card that might be really positive for us in one phase of our life might hit very differently in another phase. You know, I, I had, I went through a, a time, a period of time where the three of cups kept coming up for me and it felt very it felt very difficult. It was a really hard card for me to work with for a while. Um, and now, you know, it's, I love when it comes up, it makes me feel really joyful and, and seen and, and like I belong. So, you know, I think, I think it really does depend on, on who we are and what we're afraid of. You know, you and I are both, uh, we're both high priestesses, right? We both got our high priestess birth card. So it, I think it makes sense that we might enjoy the energy of the hermit or the four of swords. We don't mind, protecting ourselves or taking some space or sitting in solitude or um, listening to our intuition and letting that speak. But, you know, for people that aren't as comfortable with that energy, um, the prospect of, of being alone or um, left with only our own thoughts might be really frightening for some. Right on. Yeah, that makes total sense. So here's a question I have to ask you. What do you think of tarot decks that really kind of like 
whitewash, if you, for a better word, these so-called scary cards. They make them all pleasant and, um, <laughs> I mean, you know, you know what I mean. That they take out anything exactly that looks what negative. What do you think about that? Do you think that's a good thing or a bad thing? I mean, at the risk of sounding way too much like just a diehard Scorpio, I hate it. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, think, I think that one of the coolest and most important and valuable things about the tarot is that it reflects all the parts of the human experience, not just the good parts. You know, it's not just love and light. I think there are plenty of tools out there if you're someone that just wants to focus on positivity, but I, I just don't think that that is the tool that is, I don't think that's what tarot is for. Um, I, I, I think about like times when I've been struggling, when I've been sick or in pain or afraid. Um, and the tarot pulls out cards that match that energy and, and it makes me feel really seen, you know, as opposed to just only seeing positive cards and feeling like, okay, I just have to, you know, I just have to be bright and shiny. I just have to make everything be okay and look at things from a positive outlook and everything's going to be fine. Like, Sometimes you need somebody to just hold your hand and say, yeah, this fucking sucks, doesn't it? And I feel like tarot can really do that. It can meet us where we are sometimes. And I personally find that to be really comforting at times. Oh, I totally agree. And I also like to say to people when they get upset seeing those things is that, you know, um, it's often the times our greatest growth comes when we have our nine of swords moment. Mm-hmm. our greatest growth doesn't come when everything's going great because what are we doing we're having a good time we're enjoying things but the greatest growth the times where we become the people we really truly can be when we realize our full potential is often when life is handing us some really unpleasant cards absolutely i think i think those difficult cards in the minor arcana they they can sit with us when we're you know facing challenges but i think they also just have so much practical advice you know they have insights and observations that we really need to hear and that can help shift us out of, you know, a harmful mindset and kind of get our heads on straight and and see what we need to do next. And I don't know, I find that incredibly valuable. I totally agree. Now I got one last question for you. Mm-hmm. Let's say you get a reading and all you get are all the so-called negative cards. Let's say you get the tower, you get the nine of swords, you get the five of cups. What the heck do you say to somebody if they get a reading like that? How do you help them navigate something like that? I mean, again, I think first I really acknowledge like, wow, you these are some big transformational cards and there's some complicated energy here. So I just want to acknowledge that you're here sitting in this and that you might be dealing with a lot right now. And thank you so much for allowing me to read these cards and work through this with you. Um, and then I think, I, I mean, I, I was just listening to the um, to your podcast from last week, which was so wonderful about the, the personalities in a party. Um, and um, And you were talking about seeing, um, addressing those most scary cards first. So obviously I I love that. I think that's really important to acknowledge the elephant in the room, so to speak, or acknowledge the tower in the room when it comes up Mm -hmm. in a reading. Because people do, they, you know, they, they get so nervous about that, that they might not hear what else you have to offer. Um, so after talking through the tarot, I think, or the tower, talking through the tarot, after talking through the tower, um, I would really focus on, again, like practical advice that these other cards can give us, acknowledging, you know, it sounds like there's a lot of grief that's happening right now. It sounds like there's a major transformation that's leaving you feeling really lost and alone, um, but also looking at what kind of... Um, 
and what kind of advice these cards are offering for how to move forward, as well as just acknowledging where you are in that moment. I think, I think the cards being able to do that can just be a really important thing to do. Yeah, I totally, totally agree. And I love that episode with Melinda Lee Holm talking yeah. about, you know, cards as personality in the room. I, I'm one of those people, if somebody says, I've got good news and bad news, what do you want first? I always want the bad news first. Absolutely, same. 100%. You know, I, I want to know if something's going to not be great because then I can navigate. You know, it reminds me of our conversation today, many, many years ago, when my mother was very ill. And my mother was always ill, but she had been in the hospital for a long time. And the doctors were befuddled until finally I got a doctor on the phone and he said, listen, your mother's very sick. She has got a year at most to live. And while that may sound like a horrific, you know, prediction, so to speak, for me, it gave me great comfort because I'm like, okay, now I can get to work. I know what I'm dealing with here. Right. You can't really address the problem if you don't know what it is. And if you're so afraid to look directly at it and acknowledge it, then you're never going to be able to solve it. Absolutely. So when it's a scary minor or major, whatever it is, we have to look at those cards and look them in the face and move towards them, I think is really what we're saying here. Yeah. That's where the healing begins. Absolutely. It can't start until we look at the problem. This is such a great conversation. I think people are going to love, love your wisdom about combining the majors and the minors too to find that extra layer of uh, advice in those scary minors. So I want to thank you for coming up with this topic and sharing your wisdom with me here today, Meg. Oh, thank you for having me. I always love talking to you about tarot or just about anything else, Teresa. (laughs) Ditto. The feeling is mutual. And I always got to love that good Scorpio energy. So if people want to tap into your great Scorpio energy, I know you are on Instagram as 3am tarot. Where can people find you? Where can they work with you? How can you help them? The best place to go is just 3amtarot.com. You can get links to all of my social media, to my Patreon. Um, I write a Terascopes column for Autostraddle and links directly there. Um, I do daily card studies and weekly community card studies and lots of spreads and everything's pretty much centralized um, at 3amtarot.com. That's the the numeral 3-A-M-T-A-R-O-T. Wonderful. And people, if you are listening, please make sure you get in her world. And I really love your Instagram feed. Uh, you Thank are you. sharing, you're sharing so much wisdom there. So people get in her world. <laughs> All righty. Well, that wraps up this episode of Tarot Bites. And as a reminder, you can check out lots of more tarot goodness on my website, thetarotlady.com. And I've got free tarot astrology lessons, a tarot coloring book, tarot for troubled times, lots of blog posts, forecasts, you know, so much stuff for you guys to scope out. Enjoy. I want to thank you again for listening. I hope you have a marvelous day. And by the way, if you are digging this podcast, do me a favor, walk on over to iTunes and leave a kind review because that helps more tarot curious people find their way to tarot bites. And as always, I like to close out by by saying, pay close attention to your intuition throughout your day and let it guide you into making brave, excellent choices. Remember that you are always in the driver's seat of your life. You are in charge of your decisions, your plans, the action steps that you take or don't take. You're the boss. And if you don't like where your life is headed right now, you can change that. Nothing is ever fixed in stone. The tarot cards tell a story but you write the ending.